Welcome to Let's Face the Facts. I'm David Almeida, and I'm your host for this rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I bring you some of the greatest talent in the Central Florida arts community. Join us as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show, episode by episode. Hey guys, welcome back. It's another week, another Wednesday, so another show. It's Christmas week. Yay! I'm trying to get caught up. I recorded multiple shows ahead of time and then promptly uh, did not get busy actually editing them, so I seem to always be running a little bit behind. I'm recording and editing this on Monday, and you're listening to it on Wednesday. I am determined not to let that happen over the next two weeks. We'll we'll see how I do with that. My guest this week is Justin Schneier. Justin's been on the show before. He's an actor, singer, uh, improviser. He does behind-the-scenes work. He does uh, company management, tech work, and he's also an amazing cook and a super awesome baker. He was supposed to go off on a cruise ship gig as an activities director, but COVID-19 had different plans for him. We'll talk about it on the show. Uh, We watched season six, episode six, Taking a Chance on Love, part one, and the original air date was November 7th of 1984. So this is the first of a two-parter episode. Multiple times in this show, I will say that the show ran originally on network television on two weeks as a two-part episode. That is wrong. It originally ran as an hour long. I am as I am wrongy McWrongerton, and the confidence with which I declare this wrong information is shockingly disturbing. But there it is. Uh, I got nothing else to say. I, I got to get these done. Come on, guys. I'm busy. What do you want from me? Let's jump on in. Let's face the facts with Justin Schneier. Well, Justin Schneier. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to your home. Oh, my God. It's gorgeous. Yes. It's uh, interesting, as I was listening back to the previous podcast, mm-hmm. that you were just a-, a guest here. You were setting out for pastures anew on an ocean liner and a new job, a new career. Oh, yeah. A new life. And uh, now here we are. You're still in town and, and you live here. Yes, what was supposed to be a three-day stay turned into a week stay, which turned into a month stay, which turned into what was it? Seven months? I don't. It was seven or eight. Seven or eight months, and before uh, we said, could we just make this official? Yeah. So could... I, I live here now. <laughs> well, since I have the convenience of you living with me, and I did make it a contractual stipula- stipulation in your lease, stiplification, stiplification, that you are required to do podcasting as part of your residency here. Yep. Uh, in a completely non-binding, non-compulsory way. I have forced you just now to watch season six, episode six, Taking a Chance on Lerve. The original air date was November 7th, 1984. And let's just get right to the business. Written by Gail Honigberg. I meant to look her up and see what her writing credits are. You know what? I'm going to actually do that next uh, next week because this is a two-part episode and we're only doing part one today. So we'll talk about Gail Honigberg next week because... I'll take the time to research her. Uh, and it was directed by the wonderful Asad Kelada. Asad Kelada. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, you have been on the show before. This is your third time. Yes. Anytime that I am on the show, I want I want to unveil the curtain a little bit. If I'm on the show, no one else is available. <laughs> uh, everyone is either sick or sick of David. And um, this is a filler. Yeah, more this likely the latter. Guest. More yeah. likely the the latter there. Uh, but yeah, it's it's the wonderful convenience of having you now more than ever at arm's length. Oh, yeah. Uh, where I can just grab you and say, we need to do but some shows. And it has been a while. This is the equivalent of Johnny interviewing um, Ed McMahon. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, Andy being interviewed by Conan O'Brien at this point. Uh, yeah. Well, it's it's one of those like when... Well, you're here. Yeah. Well, okay. The TV guide says Orson Welles was going to be on, but uh, we tune in and we see that uh, we have Charles Nelson Riley. Or... <laughs> oh, boy. Whoa. Not... <laughs> oh, oh, oh. uh... But anyway, this episode, this is part one of two and uh, we will be here. You will be here next week to do part two with us. And as a little extra twist, because this was an episode broadcast originally over two weeks, it was never done as a one-hour special. Right. Uh, I have only allowed Justin to watch the first half of the show, so he does not know how this is going to end. I have no idea that there's going to be a tragic car wreck. <laughs> and that we're going to lose a cast member for the rest of the show run. I, I don't know that yet. I don't know. Wow. Um, but all I'm just saying is that uh, Justin's eyes are darting back and forth manically due to the anxiety of him not knowing how this is going to happen. He's got a little tick in one of his, his blinking eyes. And... and with my dry eyes, you can almost hear it. <laughs> oh, my God. I can. I can. <laughs> Well, the title of this show comes from Taking a Chance on Love. And uh, you were being a wise-ass earlier. What was it you asked me? I assume you mean uh, that I was referring to that must be a song of some sort? from some yes. bi- Oh, that's right. And considering the uh, the demographic of the people who watch this show, I assumed uh, maybe it was uh, from some hot band called like the Glenn Miller Uh <laughs> Or something. Yeah. I don't know. And the funny thing is, you thought you were being cunty by asking. Oh, is I it? Did. A, is it like a really old song that these you know aged vaudevillian writers might have been uh, referring to? And so, uh, <laughs> if I in I fact know. was able to unironically go back to you and say, uh, "Yeah, the song. It is a song, and it's from a musical that was on Broadway in 1940 called <laughs> Cabin <laughs> in the Sky. Oh. The song was made famous by." You know, you know her, and you love her, Justin. Ethel Waters. Ethel Waters is, in fact, a, a landmark African American uh, showbiz okay. personality because she was one of the first, right up there with you know your Lena Horns. And oh, okay. Dor- I actually do know who yeah. Lena Horn is. And Dorothy okay. Dandridge. She was one of the first to be a, a woman of color featured in a film, though certainly not. But not in a colored film. A non-colored <laughs> film. It was a, a black and white film. It, a color. Film. I don't think films don't like to be called colored. That's an archaic term. I'm sorry, David. You're right. I, typically, when I watch films, I don't see color. <laughs> because he's a dog. <laughs> so, anyhow, the title is a song, and okay. I will post a link to a lovely version that Ella Fitzgerald sings. Ooh. And uh, yeah, we don't need to talk about your relationship with the show. We've already discussed that. Um, by the way, 
I have to say, it is so fucking weird to be sitting and talking face-to-face with someone as a guest on the podcast. I haven't done it in so long. odd veneer of performance between us. I know. (laughs) It's so weird. (laughs) That is true, because since we've been working together, we have so much more... uh, uh, There's less pageantry about the times we hang out uh, and all that. We were literally doing laundry right before this recording. Yeah. Two hot, young, single gay guys. Okay, one hot young single gay guy and his elderly companion. I I lost my twink status years ago. That doesn't really apply anymore. <laughs> had, had to turn in your twink card? I did have to turn in my <laughs> twink card. Uh, I put it in the vending machine and they gave me a shit ton of Kit Kats. And now I'm a little chubbier and uh, a little less twinky, but I love my Twinkies. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, first things first, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you mm-hmm. and put you on the spot. To please give us the one to two sentence TV guide synopsis of the show. Remember, if it is more than 20 words, Matthew Arder will be furious with you. Go! Um, Joe makes a new friend who turns into a little bit more and a dilemma ensues. That's a horrible, no, horrible that's, synopsis. That's not horrible. That's, that's extremely accurate. Yeah, that's uh, fine. There's no, there's no stank on it though. I no. wish I had gotten some stank. I didn't think about it. I didn't really. That was, uh, that was no. That's so good. Clinical. That's that's the best time. That's the best improv when you don't have time to think about it. God. Right. Um, let's begin then. Okay. The microscopic dissection of taking a chance on love, and and you know when it comes to love, I think we could we we're we're well versed. Because we are the authorities on... On romance and relationships. And and love and finding... My God, our experience combined could could fill an index card... Uh, one side come uh, uh, no one listens to this no one gives a damn um, no one who Matt who in my circle I would say come um, this coming summer it will have been literally one decade since I have had a boyfriend one decade I am ready to discuss wow I mean there was one that was not official there was that yeah, that that I, I but there, I can't, it's not like you've you haven't yeah. touched a man in a decade. Oh no, I've touched probably a decade's worth of men in the past year, <laughs> but not during COVID. No, I hope. No, <laughs> wait a minute. No, <laughs> but the deal is, um, yeah, I haven't had a boyfriend since. Well, the trouble is, I I what's the word? What is I, your definition? I I date passionately justin i i, I so, sadly know what you mean i date passionately so my short dating stints mm-hmm. typically we get to calling each other boyfriends too quickly and then it's right. over too quickly so i mean technically i had a two-year relationship that ended in 2012 that's eight years ago right but i've had two other guys that we called each other boyfriends but the relationships were both like yeah. they were months but not a year so um, our yeah. ovaries are dry, and we are ready <laughs> to talk about love. I have rehymenated, ladies and gentlemen. God. So we are going to begin the episode in a coffee shop that we have never seen before. This is a new location. I'm not sure if we ever go back there again. I totally knew that. Uh, but uh, the thing is, in this coffee shop, we have Joe, mm-hmm. three of her peers, three other students, and a professor having one of those weird 
um, what TV writers imagine professors hanging out with their students yeah. time that yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. sure is realistic. Um, when I was in college, maybe one out of every like 20 professors I'd have would do something like that, but it but, is unusual. Yeah. I didn't, none of a my group that small. No. Yeah. None of my professors was a, let's go and hang out and have coffee. Let's do it. Now I did have some teaching assistants. I had one, God bless him. He was like, um, yeah, if you, if you need to know, uh, if your grades are posted, just give me a call on my phone numbers on the syllabus there. And, uh, if you're not sure what the schedule is or what the lecture is about, just uh, give me a call and I can tell you. And, um, if the pages ever change, uh, we'll alert you. But if you're not sure, you can give me a call and let me, and I was like, oh, oh, God, you're, oh you're so, so lonely. Sad. <laughs> so sad. Bless your heart. I see myself in you. <laughs> But the deal is, nonetheless, TV writers who likely did not go to college yeah. are going to be, at this point, spoon-feeding us two half-hour sitcoms worth of, th th this is what happens in college, right? No, yeah. To 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 totes. Totes. totes, yeah. All right. Well, among the peers of Joe's, there are three others. I don't even remember who one of them is. I, I remember think... her name was Penny, and she was a whore. Oh, she was. <laughs> she gave the most whorish eyes to the professor. She really did. Uh, she was very flirtatious. She, she was. She was drooling. Yeah. Out of both orifices. <laughs> drooling. Well, both. You could say she was drooling out of two orifices. And I'm not going to tell you which two. All right. Uh, that's fine. I defer to you. <laughs> I'm just saying. I defer. That gives a little air of mystery Ugh. to the Vag talk. Um, so uh, the, the one of the people at the table, though, is a guy we've seen before. Really? And literally. Guy. His name is Guy. Oh, okay. And I think We've seen is... before his last name. Guy. We've seen before? Guy. We've seen before is his okay. last name. Yeah. All right. Uh, in fact, it's Guy Reynolds. And uh, the actor is David Tiefen. We have discussed him before. He was in the earliest episode when they first went away to college. He's the blonde guy in the towel when Tootie and Natalie come visit. And there's that culture shock of, whoa, college boys walk around in towels. <laughs> and, you know, Natalie was, she wet him. She just damp moisture. You could see it. But now in this episode, no towel. No towel. What a, what a waste. He's, he, uh, no, and we don't mean that he's wearing nothing. Yeah, no. He's we mean not he's naked got at the table, on. which would have made this a much better episode. Agreed. Agreed. Anyhow, he is there. He's just there kind of as ornamental. Like, it's just another student to say something else that gives us the impression that we are talking about photography. This is a photography professor, uh, and he's, well, he's a photography teacher. Yeah. And he's talking to these students. And then they're all like, oh, we've got to go off to our class in colleging so bye and the three mm -hmm. leave and then it's just him and joe just sam is his name sam hall yes who is a perfect fusion of michael j fox and martin short <gasps> fascinating it real like face tone of voice listen when you listen to his voice in the second episode i want you to think about martin short and i really really want you to think it is powerful the similarities so i'm gonna hear and i was just thinking that you want to help me raise my son i i'm i'm not very serious it's it's the tone it's natural tone if you hear martin short in an interview and you listen to this to this sam okay. guy you're gonna hear it it's it's there i don't know if he's canadian if, if maybe there's an inflection but i was really shocked by 
it seemed like those two actors morphed together to make this Sam character. Fascinating. I really that, mean it. You gotta check you, it out. It is, this is an interesting study in how everything is so completely subjective. Yeah. Because I never, ever would have attributed them to him because, uh, mm-hmm. well, first of all, Michael J. Fox particularly, in my mind, Michael J. Fox will always be Marty McFly, even though he's, you know, 30 by the time we're at the end of the last movie. Mm-hmm. He'll always be a teen or early 20s young person. So, um, and by the way, Nancy McKeon did date Michael J. Fox briefly. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Did she give it to him? Um, uh, <laughs> did she get Parkinson's? Yeah. I don't think you can give that to a Well, not now, not these days, but in the 80s. I don't know. (laughs) But interesting that my spin on this actor, and his name is Christopher Tabori. Okay. And make make it very clear. It's Christopher with a K and two Fs. Not that oh. PH bullshit. He's not American then. He's got to be Canadian. It's, well, he's not Canadian. What is he? He is, um, I think he was born here. I think he's technically an American. Uh-huh. But he is the son of. Culturally, what is. Uh, he is the son of Swedish actress Vivica Lindfors. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Swedish actress Vivica Lindfors uh, was brought to Hollywood and started making movies in 1940, the hope was to make her another Greta Garbo or Ingrid Bergman mm-hmm. as the sort of sexy foreigner lady girl. And uh, her career, she never achieved big fame. I've never heard of her before, but her list of credits is 150 movies and TV appearances. I think she mm. even won an Emmy or something. But she had a, her career went from 1940 all the way to her death in 95. So she had wow. a 55 year career and 150 credits is no fucking slouch. So that, that's that's a career. That's a real actor. True. Um, and uh, so that's his mom. His dad mm-hmm. was an American director named Don Siegel. And Don Siegel directed the original 1956 Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh. And later in the early 70s, he directed Dirty Harry, Clint really? Eastwood movie, and Escape from Alcatraz. Okay. And one of his last directing credits... <laughs> Jinxed. <laughs> wah, wah. The Bette Midler flop that her, her, she did the rose. And it was like, Bette Midler's a star, Oscar nomination. Bette Midler, this, this stage actress and singer, she's the next Barbara Streisand. She's a movie star. Jinxed. Keeping her humble. Yeah. Uh, a lesson that she has still learned even today. Oh, oh she knows. Yeah. Thankfully, Down and Out in Beverly Hills was the thing that started the ascent in the later 80s. Nice. uh, And brought her back into, she did eventually get there as being the top box office draw. But uh, yeah, Don Siegel directed Jinx. And honestly, the problem with Jinx was not how it was directed. It was just awful in the writing. It was a terrible movie. I'll have to show it to you sometime. Okay. But it does not end there. Mr. Christopher Tabori. Parents divorced when he was barely a year old. And his mother went on to marry Hungarian writer-director George Tabori. So his mother was Swedish from Sweden. His dad was Hungarian from Hungary. So suffice it to say, he did not grow up just speaking English. Yeah, culturally, he's a little more colorful than... More European. And I think you can hear it. You can hear just the slightest touch of something European. And that's why I thought Canadian. There is something about his voice that he... It's... 
you have to listen for it, but there yeah. is a touch of something more interesting. It's just a touch of color. One touch. does want a hint of color. <laughs> but yes, I agree to the point where before I looked him up, I was like, he's there's something else here. Yeah. Now, um, first of all, I he he's um, you, so your spin on it is you think he looks like Michael J. Fox and Martin Short. I think that the uh, the Martin Short is especially in the voice. Wow. But okay. But I it, there was a youthful energy of the Michael J. Fox combined with that Martin Shortiness. Like I, I want you to watch it again in that in this next episode and really okay verify. Well, my thoughts on him was I was like, who does he remind me of? And. Uh, I think the one that comes to mind mostly is Kenneth Branagh. I suppose. Kenneth Branagh, as far as visually, he looks like he could be related to him. Okay. And there is an air about him because of his, uh, because of that slight. Regal Europeanness. That Europe, the, the, the fact that he, he gives off that vibe that he might be from Europea. Yeah. Uh, that's, that is Europe. a Shakespeare. Y-U-R-P, Europe. Europe. <laughs> And but but he does give off a little bit of a Shakespearean actor vibe, and he he was a very good actor. He was, this... and that's because he is a Shakespearean actor. Yeah, and because of that, vocally, what I was thinking he sounded to me like was a much more toned down, conversational mm-hmm. John Hurt. Oh, maybe, maybe you imagine when he puts on his stage voice and projects mm-hmm. yeah. that he has a beautiful John Hurt yeah. level of Shakespearean projection. I can, I Is can this a dagger I see before me? The handle toward my hand. This, and scene. <laughs> this, um, th- th- this kind of brings up a point that I wanted to say. Um, I haven't seen episodes of this show since uh, the uh, the lesbian episode where her lesbian mentor <gasps> died. Oh my god! So holy shit! So it's been a long, a hot minute since I've seen this show, and I have to say, uh, acting, production, everything has gone up significantly, including the casting of this actor. Like I thought, oh wow, this uh, this is a good show. This yeah. Is- well, what I'm holy shitting about is because I wasn't even making the connection. Your episode was the one where Joe was engaged in a friendship yeah. with one of her teachers. You and I were more uh, surprised that nobody was raising an eyebrow over why is an adult female yeah. going to the opera and to museums with a, a you know, at that time, what was she, 18, 16, Yeah, she 18? was pretty young. Yeah. Um, but so I, I, wow. I am uncertain because so much time has passed. Did she... Pray away the gay, or did they take her to a, a camp? Like, um, why is she? Why is this? This is a different Joe. There has been so much gay since then, Justin. Really? This is a this is a good kind. Did she of get a, it all out? Like, she she has too much of it, and now she's moving on. I think that at one point somebody said, "We need to get her." sucking face with a dude and fast or they're going to catch on to all of this shit that we're subliminally and not too subliminally putting in the episodes last week with matthew watching the cruising episode Mm -hmm. there's a lot of lesbian stuff and after you and i do this two-parter the next episode which is mrs garrett goes back to school joe's her outfits are lesbo-tastic i mean this is this is really 
weird to be seeing her so hetero because since the ponytail came out uh-huh. uh, five episodes ago, it's like they've been like, okay, well, if the ponytail isn't there to telegraph the gay, we got to start doing some other shit. Have you ever seen a in the distance a very attractive guy and you're like, oh, wow, they're stunning. That's a beautiful man. And then you walk up a little bit closer and you realize, oh, God, that is just a, that is a butch lesbian. <laughs> Have you ever had, but have you, I think every gay man has had that moment. I think we have too. And, yeah. and I will say, looking at Joe in this episode, I'm not attracted to her, but I see a handsome man in that face. Yeah. And that's She's... not meant to be an insult. Uh, she, there's, she has some features and the way that she dresses where I can see it from a distance, I would go, oh, I need to check that yeah. out. And wait till the mullet comes. This isn't uh, her, her mullet-iest hair where that shit is, is going to be... They're, they're steering hard into that skid, believe me. Right. They're, they're doing that later uh, with the hair. Um, so he is, we agree, wonderful. In this yeah, role, he's very good. It's, I think, and I think it's pretty well written. And after I watched this uh before i showed it to you when i've seen parts one and two yeah there was a part of me that was like did this really need to be a two-parter did it really need to be a two and watching now again i'm like i, I like him enough that i like that we've given him and joe some room to breathe yeah his inevitable inevitable death in a fiery car crash what? I, no. i'm excited to see it's it, i'm the, assuming i'm the assuming orphanage burns down when he's trying to rescue his son oh, never mind by never driving mind. his car into the orphanage <laughs> to to get the son and then it collapses onto him and yeah he, it's it's an oil truck he sadly. screams out con and then he dies <laughs> that's that's well you're that's my assumption for what this next episode well, is going to be. Next week is done. That's The podcast is recorded and done, really. So I did like that we had this time with him. I liked yeah. him. I'm not sure I ended this going, oh, I wish they had kept him on board as a love interest for Joe. They, they could have. No. And if it had been a single part, uh, one part episode, the whole issue of aren't they moving very quickly into things would have been... Ten times worse to the time to the point it would be preposterous and I would be ranting and angry. Yeah, really. So this this worked for me that this was a two parter, uh, and uh, I do like him. His presence there was good. Mm-hmm. He's other thing about him. His hair is darker than his eyebrows. Didn't and notice that. Always makes a person look a touch feminine. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe because we're homos, we see that and we're like, oh, he does drag. Like Possibly. A, a man with a man with tweezed yeah, no, or lighter yeah. brows often means oh he does drag or has done drag or whatever. But anyhow, no, I don't get any, I don't get a vibe off of him that he's playing straight. I think he is straight. He seems to be. He's either that or European. Yeah, <laughs> gay or European. Hmm. But here's the deal: he and Joe get into a conversation, and then uh, cut from the syndicated version is an entire scene where we dissolve to later on the coffee shop was busy and hustling and bustling with a lot of people and extras and noise and then we go to this next scene where it is empty and they're just there the two of them alone while they're cleaning up i'm sorry that scene was cut from syndication the empty scene yes wow yeah that really is shocking because that seems incredibly important it's it is interesting because it is it is apparent in the previous scene that joe likes him that i think there's some connection there but it is very initial that, that is cutting luke i am your father out of empire strikes back Bing. it's made 
maybe a a bit of an extreme analysis, but pretty close. Like that's a huge uh, necessary bit I, in my uh, opinion. But the fact is, I have not seen these in a long time. So when I watched it, the syndicated version mm-hmm. before I showed you this one, yeah, I, I didn't mind it again because it's a two-parter and there's much more breathing room to continue to evolve it. But I will say what this eliminated scene is, and listeners, I'm sorry, I know you likely are watching the cut version, so I'll clue you into what we're talking about, is that um, there is a point where they're like, oh my God, it's already three o'clock. Like this this breakfast lunch place is shutting down and we've just been here talking and lost track of time. And then when they go to pay the check, he says, well, let me pay for it. And she's like, no, you don't need to pay for mine. And he's like, yeah. And Joe says, well, it's not like this is a date or something. And he's like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't date my students. And then it becomes kind of this, yeah. So, you know, that's just a label anyway, because what is dating? It's just hanging out and talking to someone that you enjoy talking to. And... It's one of the most abused phrases. Oh, why do I have to put labels on things? That yeah. is such an abused phrase. Yeah. And it is being abused in this particular instance. Yeah, go to the supermarket and then come back and fucking say, why do you have to put labels on things? It I... is kind of needed in many, many, many scenarios. Yeah. Um, <laughs> are, are we going to bring up the powder, the powdered sugar bit? Right. Because I need to discuss the fact well, you, you, you set up. I'm yeah. Sorry. Oh, no, th- I'm happy to, because then what the sort of scene culminates in is he says, yeah, and if this were a date, uh, you wouldn't want me to point out if there were powdered sugar on your nose. Which there is not a dot of powdered sugar on her nose. 0.0, 0 ladies None. and gentlemen. Zero. But he still reaches over and playfully brushes the non-existent powdered sugar off her nose and so you know what that means he made that shit up he's a manipulative best well, uh, my question was did he make that shit up or was it an oversight on the part of the show because honestly either would be appropriate to me i would believe either one i think they might have put it on it fell off before the taping was over or something i don't know but i just just the track record of what the show does with yeah. some of this production since you made an earlier star wars reference yeah when george lucas goes back and retools all of these episodes of facts of life he will need to digitally add the powdered sugar to Joe's nose That's or this true. entire two-parter does not work. <laughs> so then, the next scene, we're at Edna's Edibles where the girls uh, the girls and Mrs. Garrett, just not Joe, are working. And so with the absence of that, sh- that previous scene, this does kind of bring it into Blair saying, well, you know, Joe hasn't been around a lot because rumor is that Joe has been seeing this guy, Sam Hall, and he's a teacher of hers. And it's kind of like, well, a teaching assistant, right? And she's like, no, he's a full-on professor and he is 30. And a fucking ugly 30. He's a very handsome 40. He's a very good-looking, attractive 40. <laughs> he is a butt-ugly 30-year-old. He's 32 in real life. How dare you? Well, I don't know what happened uh, in Hungary or wherever, but he was beaten <laughs> with an ugly stick at 30 because that well, is not a well, 30-year-old face. Well, here is something that was in my notes I didn't say before, uh-huh. is that I think he's attractive but not too attractive. Like he's No, I, just I like, agree. He's not hot, sexy, but he is a handsome guy. Right. And I do think there are several times when the lighting is doing him no favors. You can yeah. tell they've aimed the lights for the girls. 
And periodically he'll step into a light where it's like a an overlight and suddenly circles appear under and his he, eyes. And he turns into a witch. Yeah. <laughs> a hag-like figure. <laughs> but yeah, but I think in spite of that, he comes off as attractive. And best yes. of all, the personality makes up for the personality the writing and the performance this episode is not black and white there's a lot of gray and yeah. a lot of it is because of his performance yeah he he we'll get into it more but i think he gives us a kind of a complicated nice guy and it's it's it makes it more uncomfortable to watch this episode yes and so the next thing of course because we're talking about joe dating one of her college professors mrs garrett thank god says what we are all thinking mm -hmm. and says, doesn't the school have rules about these things? And and what does Blair say in response, Justin? Nope. Nothing. Nope. It's like No rules. It, it's what What is happening? I'll have the education she's having. Um and here's the deal. I'm sure <laughs> Things were different back in the 80s. I just find it hard to believe there wasn't some sort of a rule that nobody even in the 80s was no. like, nope, there's no issue. No. We have no concerns about uh, coercive relationships. They, they were still filming the, the VHSs for HR at that time to <laughs> tell people not to. Those were still being filmed. <laughs> Did your boss walk up and touch your ass? Does that fall under the definition of sexual harassment? No, it's just a compliment. Ding! So, I, I'm, I mean, it's the times. I'm aware my outrage is based on the times we live in, particularly now in the Me yeah. Too times. But it's like, are you fucking kidding me? There's no rules or not even a little something like, well, it's not encouraged, but under certain circumstances. No, this is this no. is a sexy school. Yeah, uh, clearly. Unfortunately, it's a very sexy school. <laughs> but the deal is, um, with him being an ancient 30-year-old oh. and uh, the fear of him possibly dying of old age during their relationship, you yeah. know. Um, but anyhow, with this talk, Joe comes in. And we get the chitty chat and back and forth of, well, you haven't been around. And it's simply one of those, I've been spending a lot of time with Sam. I found a new museum. We went to a Japanese garden and there were these tiny trees that they trimmed to look like giant trees. And it's like, you mean bonsai trees? Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. I guess people didn't know what that was in the I, 80s. I, well, I, I, wasn't sushi kind of not really that big until sushi, about the right. 80s? You so are. like Japanese culture, I feel like might have been slowly you are becoming so right. a thing for and then Nintendo coming like I wonder if we really gave a shit about Japan until the 80s. Yeah. Well, I mean it didn't really become, a, you know, the manufacturing industrialized yeah. powerhouse that it it grew into. That was 80s mm -hmm. was Japan coming into that. So right. you're probably right. It probably is like yeah, sushi. That, that might have been kind of exotic and and new at that time. Yeah. Um, and uh, but Joe's thing is we have fun together. He's a nice guy. That's it. And and she does bring in the so and they say so you're dating him. Yeah. And Joe's like, eh, dating is just a label. So we had introduced that earlier. This is now where Joe kind of reinforces that thing, and um. It's it's really I, I I don't dislike it. I don't dislike it because there is a sense throughout this and the next part of uh, 
much as you don't want to have to define things so early on, yeah. there are sometimes circumstances where you fucking have to. Yeah. And um, so Sam comes into the store. Uh, I'm sorry. So, Real quick. I'm sorry. To, um, I just, I'm surprised that you haven't brought up something. And that's uh, Mrs. Garrett's Jafar outfit. <laughs> Is she in a Jafar She's outfit? She's in a Jafar outfit. She looks like Jafar. <laughs> what do you say? Okay. We just pulled it up. Mrs. Garrett is wearing a black dress with a it's like it's just like a cotton. It's something dress. stolen from either Jafar or Dracula. It's an evil lord's <laughs> outfit. It's it, the outfit of an evil, evil lord. It has a collar that is red. The dress is black. And she has a belt that is red. She'll so. cast a spell on you with that thing. <laughs> but the thing, the scene pretty much, th- this conversation ends, but this conversation pretty much ends with Joe reinforcing that we're just friends. We do stuff together. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all. There's nothing yeah. else going on. And uh, then Sam comes into the store. Oh, hi. Surprise. I was across the street at the bank. Very innocent, not stocky, not creepy or toxic, I will say, in any way, shape, or form. And when he's introduced to the rest, moment, writers, did you go to college? When Blair says, you've probably noticed me in the halls of Langley. And he says, "Uh, no, I haven't. Which is supposed to be a ha ha, Blair, you're snobby, and yep. he cut you down. Okay, college is typically not a building. No. Like a high school. If it was a high school, yeah, you see it's kids buildings. in the buildings. It's a campus, it's an experience, it's a whole. Yeah, and Blair, unless you're taking a photography class, or mm-hmm. Blair, because she was going to take art classes, this sort of Blair is the artist thing that they've sort of abandoned yeah. here and there. If Blair had said, um, Oh, you've probably noticed me in the halls of the Fine Arts Center. That's mm-hmm. where you would find photography, painting, and things like that. But she just says, the halls of Langley. You've probably noticed me at the college. No, guys, that, that's a fail. Writing fail. But then Sam invites Joe to go on a horseback ride. These, this whole broadening of Joe's horizons and experiencing new things like bonsai and museums. And horses, the greatest import from Japan of the 80s. <laughs> and then, um, then we go to a cutaway. Next scene is an actual location shoot of Sam and Joe horseback riding. Yep. Uh I had a very specific for for like for realsies. They're riding a horse, and that's really yeah. them on the horse. And it's outdoors. They went and took the film crew out to tape this. Uh, she she wasn't riding side saddle, if you know what I'm talking about. No. <laughs> and then the horseback riding sequence ends with them hugging. That's all. Just an innocent, friendly hug. Which the horse. Um, marks as inappropriate with a stamping of the hoof, which I thought was like, that's infraction number one. You know how they count? Oh, yeah. The horse stomps and it gets mad about the hug because the horse knows what we all know. This is wrong. (laughs) Uh, The next scene, at the house, prepping for dinner. Joe is taking annoying close-up pictures of Mrs. Garrett and you want her to turn and say, that is a stupid sitcom trope. Cut it the fuck out. But because he's the photography teacher and he's encouraging her to do different things and get up close and personal with her subjects. And uh, there is talk about her having saddle sores. 
Uh, and then this thing that they're doing tomorrow, continuing the college fails in the mm-hmm. writing. Sam and I are going uh, are, are going to be going out on a photography shoot because he's doing this thesis on macro photography and taking pictures of spiders and centipedes in close up. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay. And she's like, Mrs. Garrett, could you pack us up some food to bring along? And it's like, that sounds more like a picnic, Joe, like a date. Mm-hmm. And Joe's response is, it's a thesis. Um, a, a college professor just doing, a, it's like thesis is a word that you hear used in higher education circles, but uh, doing doing a thesis. A thesis is a thing you do for your master's, not right. for your bachelor's already. That's You don't do a thesis as an undergrad. But, but you, no, you, this it, is him, though. He's already oh, presumably... So this, I, I see, I see. I but what I'm saying is, I mean, I guess if, if, if what they mean is they just expressed poorly is that yeah. he's a professor with a bachelor's degree, which you can be. Yes. But the idea is that he's pursuing his master's and this is part of his thesis. Yep. Maybe that we could give them that little bit of slack. Sure. But the, the wording is not the right wording. Yeah. And especially since Joe is a college student. She would know this verbiage as far as, you know, he's he's almost done getting his master's and this is part of his thesis. Yeah. Similar to how if you were pursuing your doctorate, the term you hear thrown around is dissertation. Mm-hmm. Anywho. Um, I, I hate to stop you, but this is where the massive prop fail occurred. Then you do not table. hate to stop me. I love you um, to stop me. Props. This, this drove me crazy in the same way that I know you have a particular um, hatred of when someone uses a microphone in a in a TV show or movie and they don't know how to use the mic, but they they just wave it around as though yeah. that's proper mic technique. As they're sitting down having these burgers, Blair does something that is inexcusable. What? What? I, I didn't notice this. Tell me. She picks up the burger and Blair holds it to her mouth with these sesame seed bun at the bottom with under her thumbs are holding that she has a sandwich upside down and she's going to eat it she never intended to eat it that's a hand prop for her just to do something with no one eats their burgers upside down i want you to look at this i see it you see it i see it do you see the shit that i look yeah and she does hold it up as though she might take a bite but then on the next line she puts it down so it is it is absolutely and so my question it's the same with the powdered sugar was it that there was no powdered sugar there and he made an advance? Or were the show people just so crappy? With this sandwich thing, was it that she was just holding a prop and she did it incorrectly and she didn't care? Or is this the beginning of a bulimia or anorexia episode <laughs> where she is clearly showing that she is eating, but she's not actually putting food in her mouth? Wow. That's my question for you, David. So you're saying nobody ever holds their burger upside down when they eat it. I, I, I'm I, not sure I, I can sign off on that. It's not the American way. But but the idea is, I'm, no. I'm just trying to think. Have I cannot sit here and say, fuck, yes, I have never done that. I would never think to do that. I feel like depending on the shape of the burger, on what's on top of it, there, there might no, be something a, that ergonomically a, a, dictates. A proper burger, as made correctly, should not have crap sliding around as you pick it up 
with your thumbs on the bottom and your the other fingers on the top. Ladies and gentlemen listening, if, have you ever picked up a burger upside down? I, I feel like I might have, but I can't say for sure. That if, if there is a portion of this country that is eating their burgers upside down, that is the problem. You're moving out? It's not, <laughs> no, it's, it's not about race or sex or, or who you voted for. If you're holding your burger that way, you need to leave. <laughs> That's not, that, that, yeah. she is either anorexic or she did not care about her prop. Or, or she's on American is what you're saying. Or, or she's on a, yeah. I mean, I just, <laughs> if you're going to ask me to watch this show, that's the shit I'm going to look out for. And that pissed me off. It is so delightful to not be the only person obsessing over stupid little nothings. This is making me so happy. It made the entire episode <laughs> invalid. <laughs> I do that too, where it's like they they fucked up one joke and the whole episode is now in the shit well, it, pile. Because I mean, that's the foundation. Yeah, human beings eat burgers that way. You've shown me that someone here isn't human. So now the bigger issue uh, is not should they be dating or not. It's there is an alien in the midst that no one is talking <laughs> about. This episode is invalid. Thank Kate. you. I'm ready to move on. So with this, we have more hetero dating stuff and conversations. There is kind of a picnicky setting. This has got to be an expensive episode for this show. They're on location a Twice. couple times. Twice. I'm really, and it's a two-parter. Like I feel like this was the director's magnum opus. Um, it kind of was because Asad Kalada, the director, uh -huh. is about to leave. Oh, so this is this is the swan song. Um, let me double triple check here. This? No, no, no. I I have to correct myself. Asad Kalata does this two-parter, and then there are two more episodes coming up this season, and then he's done. But but his tenure there is definitely winding down. Do you think this episode is what did it? The producer said, you just ballooned us out of budget. We can't. <laughs> the, the, you're, strike one, sir. Strike one. <laughs> and it's like, he's like, you, you wrote a scene where they're horseback riding. Did you expect him to just walk into a barn and hear off camera or something? <laughs> I mean, maybe they did. It's possible. But anyhow, this whole thing culminates in him wanting to take her picture and her being like, no, I don't want to take a picture. And they end up kissing. Full on making out. This has now taken a turn for the romantical. Yeah. Uh, as we go to commercial. Anything else before we go on? I think so, but my any handwriting other, has eroded over the years. Any other hamburger rants? Um, that is that is some serial killer. I, I, I don't need you to look at this I, right now. Not right now. Are, oh, are you sensitive? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's really bad. Um, I can't read it. Shadow. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. What? what? Yes. Oh, God. oh, this is big. What? Um, they get up from the picnic basket to walk over to the tree where the uh, the mouth rape begins. The oh, mouth geez. rape that turns into mouth consensual kissing. Oh, wow. Um, they, get, they get up from that blanket, and they go over to that tree. And if you watch the grass behind them as they're going to the tree, you can see the shadow of whatever cameraman or whatever <gasps> crew people are there. You can see it. Oh, right there, yeah. yeah. You totally can see it, yeah. They're, they're over in the budget, way and they're not... Even they don't care about that money. They're throwing down the toilet for these horses and for this this uh, <laughs> this locale. 
But wow, this is the beginning and, of the downfall of this director because it's the sloppiness. <laughs> it's unforgivable. <laughs> well, it's not that we've never seen you know a shadow of a camera or a boom. The big thing is the boom mic. That's always the has big... a boom mic been in this? No, I mean at some point, yeah, okay. during the course of the facts of life, All we right. have seen the occasional like twice a boom mic or a shadow of a boom mic. <laughs> so then when we come back from commercial, uh, the, the way that they talk about how things have been going so far is Natalie comes in with mail and she says, oh, I have some mail for Joe. And Blair says, who? And she says, <laughs> you know, that Polish kid who used to work here. And it's like, um, she better still fucking be working there and not shirking her store responsibilities since it is part of the stipulation of her living there since she can't afford to be in the dorms. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But then there's talk of, well, with this boyfriend, and then someone corrects it to man friend. Uh, because, again, he's 30. He's so fucking old. He, and looks it. Um, so Blair says, I'm going to go into the other room and bring her her mail, mostly because Blair, we know, now wants to talk with them. And the, here's a reference to the time, Justin. As an excuse, Blair says, well, I'm going to go bring Joe this piece of mail. And they say, like, Blair, what? leave them alone. Nothing with Ed McMahon's picture on it could be that important. And Blair says, she may have already won a Dream RV. <laughs> Do you know what that's a reference to? Um, I, I would imagine publish, Publishers uh, Clearinghouse. Wow, yeah. look at you. Spoken I, like a non-stupid young person. Wow. I, I may be young to you, but uh, there are people in their 20s who think I'm ancient. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that is a publisher's clearinghouse, yeah. and that was that was how we were contacted back in the day was by mail. And then they would show up at your door with a giant check. You've won balloons, and 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 this is not staged at all for the commercial. They nope. open the door. Oh my God, I'm a millionaire. <laughs> so Blair does go back into the living room of the house where Joe and Sam are playing backgammon, and this is where Blair kind of is like, guys, I I kind of need to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And she gets into, people are talking, and I thought you should be aware of what people are saying about you. And it's fascinating because Joe immediately responds with, I don't give a care. Well, what are they, you know, what the fuck are people saying? I'm paraphrasing. But Joe immediately goes into defense mode and gets mad. Let him talk or that. I don't like people, you know, getting into my private things. Sam is so calm and intelligent. He's mature. Yeah. Where he says... I, well, I want to know what they're saying. And Joe's like, I don't want to know what they're saying. It doesn't matter to me what people are saying. But Sam's like, look, he says to her, mm-hmm. Joe, getting mad isn't going to solve the problem. And Joe's like, there is no problem here. And, uh, but yeah, it's like, yeah, people are talking about mm-hmm. a teacher dating a student. And Blair says yep. explicitly, there is speculation that Joe may be getting better, better grades, grades. Yeah. because of dating him, not just in his class, but of course, yeah. his peers and all that and that's why and, we have rules in the and, 21st right. century that no professor teacher ever ever and i mean to to go with with uh uh joe a little bit i do think in most circumstances yeah you really shouldn't care what people say about you behind your back but this is in reference to a power dynamic of a teacher and a student you should that is when you should be listening yeah as as opposed to in normal times she would be right it, it doesn't matter yeah but it's in not, this it's, particular circumstance they better be no they better be listening to what people are saying no this is not haters hating this is yeah. common sensors common sensing yeah 
that <laughs> this is this is not a great situation. But it um, is it is kind of it says something about the times that the question isn't um, oh this teacher is dating the student the student's getting better grades. It's not a question of maybe he's taking advantage of her and a power dynamic. It's yeah. actually about the grades. You're right. It's, it's like a very interesting. Uh, yeah, she's benefiting. Change of priorities. This here. little opportunist whore. Yeah. One, yeah. Once again. We are we are whore shaming our whores. Yeah, it's like yeah, as opposed to people saying, yeah, is there some level of coercion? So this this talking, and at one point he says, look, we can shout about it or we can talk about it. Yeah, and she says, I don't want to let that influence us. And he says, but stuff like this could hurt you, and I don't want anything to hurt you. Do you, do you not hate how everything he's saying is correct? And this all start all this whole situation started because he made a shitty decision to date a student. Mm-hmm. But after that shitty decision, everything he's done has actually been helpful and trying to. It makes this very gray and very uncomfortable and much more interesting to watch. It's really it's yeah. the jokes suck, but it's good writing. Yeah, and I'm fascinated if you think that after the second half. Yeah, well, we'll see because there uh, I. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not spoiling anything by saying there. There may be a little bit of a hiccup to that. I'm but, sure. I'm sure another shoe will drop uh, yeah. before the orphanage lights on fire. <laughs> exactly. But um. But in response to him saying, "But we should be aware of what's happening because I don't want it to hurt you." Mm-hmm. And Joe's response: "The only way it could hurt me is if I lost you." And they kiss more. That is. That is some very young person immature way to look at things is you're the best thing that ever happened to me it's you it's about yeah. this person you're the I only thing that matters like that that really is a young naive just like you to... have recited to me over and over several times an hour and made me repeat back to you yeah. you are the most important thing in my life and nothing else matters um so yeah more kissing and stuff and is this where you you seem to be getting physically uncomfortable and, and, and like fidgeting in your chair is was this the point or was it was it in this this next scene it is in the okay. next scene then, okay then jump. we'll get there we'll get there okay so moving on into the next scene time has passed uh mrs garrett is wearing pants this yeah. is a big thing because we rare to never see her wearing pants but this is these are her sort of flowy drapey Looser mm-hmm. pants. They look good on her. They I, look I fine. Actually... So in the store, we have Tootie, Natalie, and Blair. And they're like trying to go about the business of the store. I'm very happy to see that the store is getting any attention this season because they've been kind of neglecting it as a necessary component of the show. I got to be honest. Looking at that store, I thought I would buy a lot of shit there. Oh, fuck yes, you it would. It looks like, but it looks, it doesn't look cheap. It looks like some really good goods are in that place like i i was impressed oh yeah i i I think it looks like a very nice place to go i would like a croissant (laughs) i'd want one of the apple strudels (laughs) that's supposedly her specialty uh so what they're talking about is well i could do this thing well no joe did it well i could do this other thing joe did it it's like joe has been on on extra overtime duty taking care of shit at the store which you know makes me happy but it's because they're like well she has all this extra time now that she's not seeing sam anymore and they say um 
Well, you know, every time that Joe is upset, she bites a hubcap. Yep. <laughs> which to me is, that's a clitoral reference, right? That's oh, my a, God. That's a lesbianic thing. <laughs> every time she's upset, she gets, so whatever she prayed oh. away or whatever class she went to, when she gets upset, it's not permanent, is what I'm taking from this. Justin, um, I, I, I'm aware that you are a fellow homosexual. Yeah. But I, I'm, I regret to inform you that... Gay isn't in everything? That, that a, a clitoris is not shaped like a hubcap. I, and I, I understand why you don't know that. I thought it was. It's under the hood and it's like a little nub. No. <laughs> now, if it was, she, she starts playing with the lug nuts under the, under the hubcap or oh, something. Oh, is it the lug nuts? It's the lug, because, yeah. Okay. The, it's like a little nubby thing. Is the hymen the radiator? And, uh... uh the hymen is more like the hubcap in that you got to get through it. Okay. But the, I think the hymen is the gateway to the vag. The clit is up on the top. I think you can play with the clit without... Then is the labia majora the undercarriage or... The overcarriage. What, the overcarriage. Majora oh, so is the, the overcarriage. What is That's the undercarriage? The undercarriage, that would is be... Is the third lip? Um, <laughs> my next podcast is going to be two gay men every week for an hour... Asking questions like, so is it like this? So holding, if it was holding up a picture of a of a Model <laughs> T Ford and a picture of a vagina, and like a like a Venn diagram, putting them together and trying to match the pieces. But every every single week it'll be like, so if it was a couch, would the would the labia major be like the cushions or oh, like just the... comparing it to different objects? Yeah, okay. and be like, okay, well, is that does that mean that the that the hymen is like the throw that you put over the couch? To cover up the stains that you have. <laughs> this holiday uh, episode, we'll be comparing the oh. vagina to a Christmas tree. A Christmas tree. So. And uh, the different ornamentation. <laughs> so so was, is the clit like the star at the top of the tree? Do you, do you have to climb something to I'm get to sure it? I'm pretty sure the clit is the... the um, it's the, the train that goes around the on the skirt that like moves around. <laughs> Um, and then the hidden pit, the clit is the pickle, the pickle ornament that you the, hide the, the morning pickle, okay. of. All right. And if you find it, you get an extra prize. But I thought you hide the pickle in the vaginal canal because that's what the PIV. Anyway, okay. we will have to have Matthew Arter on this podcast to periodically throughout yeah. these conversations say. <gasps> but so at the, the end result of this is a hubcat is not a clitoris. A hubcap hub is, is not a clit. Okay. So right. that's that's the important that's lesson. That's the important. I want you to walk away from today with. What, how does that melody go? Uh, uh, for a secretary is not a toy. A hubcap is not. A hubcap is not a clit. A not a clit. Okay. Gold. So there it is. But yes, that uh, phrase to which you refer, Justin, is yes. because, as I was wondering, I'm like. So Joe has not seen Sam in six days. That is what is making this conversation happen. Yeah. And they're speculating. Well, they broke up. I'm not sure they broke up. It's like, you live with her. Fucking ask her. Um, but but it is Joe. You know better than to pry into her personal shit. And Mrs. Garrett does say, why hasn't Joe said anything about this? And that's why we get the hubcap reference. So I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass there. So Mrs. Garrett does say, you know, when I heard that she was officially dating this mm -hmm. man who was so much older, I was afraid she was in over her head. Um, so then Joe comes in and very quickly they're all like, hey, Joe, how you doing? They're like trying to be all soft and consoling because Awful. clearly something bad has happened Awful. as we have just 
made up your breakup in our brains. Yeah. But, it's just crappy when people do that. Yeah. Ugh. But it's a very sitcom premise because yeah, then is. in response, Joe says, what are you guys talking about? I'm not broken up with Sam. He's been away for the... I, I don't know. I have, I have not been seeing him these past six days because he's been spending time with his son. His what? Did not rehearse that. Wow. <laughs> and uh, yeah, turns out he has a seven-year-old son named Ravi. Mm-hmm. And so she's he was, like... He was laying the pipe at 23. <laughs> if we do the math, yeah. So uh, uh, Joe says it's no big deal. And thankfully the girls are like, um, that is a big fucking deal. Oh, nice. And how I was talking about how we're going to have disagreements on things. And I'm excited to get into this. To me, that's not a big deal. The big deal is the teacher thing. I think that they are concerned about the wrong issue. In my opinion. <clears throat> I cannot fight you on Disag- that. Okay. I, I, I think that this is... Adding on to the pile of, oh, more difficulties, more troubles for this relationship. But really, I, I'm dating someone with a kid. I mean, if you're willing to take that on, I don't see why that's really anyone's problem. That's, I think that they're looking uh... for a problem that's not necessarily there. The problem is that's your teacher I... with a power dynamic over you. And <clears throat> um, also, I can understand she's a little young, so it's kind of, it, it could be difficult but that is her decision to make. Yeah. Where I am approaching this, uh-huh. this isn't disagreeing with you, but my thing is like, okay, the teacher-student thing, that shit that, that's has a, sailed. That's a no-go. That's, that's yeah, bad. Yeah, it shouldn't have gone this far. Yep. But the fact that it's like, okay, well, we are actually fast approaching the end of the episode here. Because Joe's no big deal response to his having a kid. The girls are, it is a big deal. And this is where she reveals he's a widower. And that the kid has been living in Chicago with Sam's parents. And he's here just for a visit for this past week. And it's like, okay, yeah. So in comes Sam. And he says, I've missed you. And she says, I've missed you. And they kiss. And he says, I've got a surprise. And the surprise is what, Justin? He's going to keep the son here mm-hmm. and not keep the son with his parents. And in in that vein, he says, I want you two to meet mm-hmm. as soon as possible. Yeah. How? What are your feelings on that? My feelings on that are this. Um, I, I, I want to be very serious. I want to be funny. I think that... If he wasn't her teacher, I really would not have a problem with it. I really wouldn't. He is her teacher, and it is wrong. This that, is... that is, I know, I know that seems. I, I knew that we were going to disagree on this. Yeah, this is where I we're disagreeing. That you are. No, saying... I do think it's. I think it's soon. Okay, good. But I'm more I'm saying... concerned about the final sentences spoken in this episode than I am about. Her okay. meeting the kid. Right. That is take, a huge red flag to me okay. more than this. Let's take the teacher out of it. Because yeah. that's clearly yeah. something you are you are hung up on it. As uh-huh. am I. I'm not saying I don't, that, but you are that is overriding so much. That is of, overriding so much of this relationship. Of what you're thinking, me. yeah. So he's not a teacher. He's just a dude, a thirty year old uh-huh. dude that she met somewhere. Right. And they're dating and now um his kid. He's saying, I want the two of you to meet ASAP. How do you feel about that? I think it's rushed. 
But at the end of the day, it's hers to accept or deny. And if she says yes, then uh-huh. I, I, fine. Interesting. Because in my opinion, this is the greater infraction of all. Uh-huh. Because I'm like, okay, I have to let go of the professor thing. It's 1984, and yeah. clearly, societally, it's a little more acceptable. Yeah. So w- this is what we this is what we're presented with that we have to deal with. To me, I have heard you should wait a year mm-hmm. or even a year and a half if you are a single parent mm-hmm. dating someone that you think might be important. Uh-huh. And we will talk more about this in part two. This does come up. But yeah, this is insanely too soon. Mm-hmm. And that's a red flag. I think it's a matter of how is he introducing her? This is my friend. This is my really strong romantic. But like, how, how is he? If yeah. it's just, this is my friend and yeah. I just want you to meet. I think that's fine. Okay. If it's, this is my <clears throat> girlfriend, or hey, where I'm getting really serious with this lady, and I want you to like her, like I do. Like that's strong and heavy, and shouldn't be a thing. Yeah. I, 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 that's that's what I have more comfort with. I'm thinking of it that way. The fact that he has a kid and that she's dating someone with a kid, I, that that's fine. I could mm-hmm. sign off on that too. I want you to meet him just for you to meet him, yeah. but I'm I don't want us to be all presenting as that. Yes. I just want you to be my friend. That I could, I'm fine I could, with. I could, I could be, be okay these are with two that. important people in this man's life. Yeah. His son and the girl he's seeing. Um, it might be. I think we agree. It's too soon for him to have yeah. as intense feelings soon. that he has. Yeah. But to <clears> want <throat> two people that are important to him to meet, I don't think in and of itself is a bad thing. But thankfully, Joe is kind of in our camp where she's like, whoa, you really want me to meet your kid? Nah. And he's like, yeah, it's important mm-hmm. to me. So she does acquiesce. Yeah. You know, she, he does have to kind of convince her, but not in a bad way. It's it again, didn't, It didn't seem like he was twisting her arm hard for it. No, I, no, it, no. It didn't raise an eyebrow for me. Yeah, and it didn't, it, it wasn't presented as a, and this is the first red flag. Yeah. It was just, okay, he's being, he's, we like him. We do really yeah. like him. Yeah. So the last moment is, yep, okay, I'll meet your kid. And we get I love yous and kissies. That's, oh, that, ugh. Oh, it's so so okay. So you're not a you're not an early I love you person. No, no. I I really feel very strongly about it. So, on that note, we get claps. We we, we get the clap. We get we the applause, the and we get the credits. And uh, and it does say to be continued. Mm-hmm. And um, it's interesting because it's not really a conundrum problem oh my god what's gonna happen no it's not other than this just this got more serious yeah not necessarily problematic so i I almost like that too because so Mm -hmm. much of 80s sitcoms is fabricated drama fabricated conflict and all that so i really didn't mind that and i really don't hate the way if they had to make this episode and tell us this story I don't mind the way they did it. I'm not crazy about the story itself, but the execution, so many times I like the story and I hate the execution. This is the flip of that. Um, When this came out, how long would you have to wait between an episode? A week. A week? I I would have assumed, but I didn't want to assume. Nothing. So it would have been a week between this and the other one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and there was the original broadcast, yeah. Okay. Well, Justin, on that note, we are going to stop recording now and then we're going to go back watch part two and then record next week's show back to back awesome it's like a 
podcast marathon here. I hope you, you brought your running shoes. But uh, yeah, so on that note, uh, I, hope, I hope you're able to come back. And, and, and join me again. I hope so. I was going to lock my door and in, just uh, sit in my room and In the, and in hide, the future. But... Yeah, I hope to have you. I hope you're able to come back and, and be be here and do this. So, yeah. yeah maybe. I, I have laundry to do. Yeah. Okay. So, um, smooches and goodbye. Bye. And there you have it. That was Justin Schneier. Listen for our new podcast, Two Gays Talking About Vaginas. That is, ooh, that's one right there. That's going to be soaring to the top of the charts, let me tell you. Next week, Justin's going to be back to do Season 6, Episode 7, Taking a Chance on Love, Part 2. And you know you can watch the show for free at dailymotion.com. The link will be posted on this episode's webpage, and it should be right there in your show notes on your podcast application of choice. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Visit my website, facethefactspod.com, for supplemental photos and videos, audio extras from the digital cutting room floor, links to my social media, and ways that you can support the show financially. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts.